Welcome to The Pestle, reviewing and breaking down movies to look for insights into the movie making process. Hosted by Tacos, a meal that lets you eat the plate. Now, let's dim the lights and start the show. Welcome everybody to The Pestle. Today's show is brought to you by Silent Velcro. Strap your shoes on in style and in secret with Silent Velcro. Welcome everyone to The Pestle. I'm Wes. And I'm Todd. And this is a show where filmmakers look and analyze a, a film, tear it apart and see hopefully what we can learn from it as filmmakers and also help, you know, non-filmmakers appreciate the fine science and art of uh, making movies. Yeah. I went to a movie today. <laughs> Lucky. Yeah. There was this great post that our buddy Joe made on Facebook where he was chastising uh, someone, we'll say, for there's been this dialogue lately about the movie uh, experience and what makes for a good movie versus what makes for a good cinema experience. Like, mm-hmm. what is it? What is the movie supposed to be? Yeah. And one of the things that Joe was talking about was the problem isn't necessarily what we're seeing. It's sometimes it's how we're seeing it. The movie going experience itself is lacking. So the sound quality, the the ability to enjoy the film without people like talking or being weird in the theater, cell phones going off, all that kind of stuff. And I relate to that so hard. I'm, I'm very much a person who wants to be able to sit down and, and just sit and watch a movie. Like I don't understand the inability to accomplish such a seemingly easy thing. You literally, you sit and you watch. <laughs> well, some people, they, they, they digest stuff like this, even at home by talking during it. Right. They do. And so they just think that, Oh, I'm, I'm out at a movie. I can still do the same thing. They, it's not, movies aren't like a, a, an experience for them. It's an, it's an escape, but they, you know, they're not thinking about other people when they're it's true. So in, in Austin and several cities around the country, we have this place called the Alamo Draft House. Which uh, we need to maybe one day they'll sponsor an episode. Please. Maybe. Yeah. Alamo. <laughs> maybe. And the one of the many great things about the Alamo is, for one, you get to sit and order food. There's waiters that come by, but they're not supposed to talk to you, right? The, the perfect order scenario is you write down on a slip of paper what you want to eat. You throw it up in front of you like a little flag and they see it. They come by, they grab it and they go. They don't say nothing to you. You barely even know that they were there because you're paying attention to a movie. That's what you're supposed to be doing. But a nice thing about having those people coming by is that they can also kind of hall monitor everybody (laughs) so that if someone is talking uh, and it's kind of ruining, you know, the movie experience, you know, you can make a note on your slip of paper and say, hey, there's a jackass next to me who won't stop stop talking. You know, maybe you say it more politely than that. Or maybe not. Maybe not. You can really say whatever you want. You can call them an F-hole and the person next to you is never going to know the difference because it's not like they show it to them. Like, hey, this guy right are you, here. Are you the FO? <laughs> this guy over here said that you're talking. They don't, they're not going to do that, right? They're just going to yeah. come by and give them a warning. Like, hey, if you talk again, we're going to ask you to leave. And that's that. And usually yeah. that solves the problem. Well, today in my movie theater, <laughs> the the lady next to me, well, it was interesting because the guy on the, my left, 
uh, was snacking on popcorn like he was eating bullets. Like it was just so <laughs> loud it's, and crunchy. Very, it's a wonderful simile. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and thanks for calling it a simile. Well, that's, that's what it is. It's yeah, not a metaphor. That's damn it. right. Yes. <laughs> and so, but and so I'm thinking, oh, this guy's going to be you know obnoxious all movie. But I order a popcorn, which I like to do just so that I can drown out all the hubbub around me. That helps me because I have a thing apparently that's called misophonia that the certain noises around you trigger like anger, like not quite instantaneously, but you know, Oh, then I have that very, too. very fast. Like it's just, it, yeah, you get, you get very, very upset. And I, I've tried to, you know, communicate it and just telling someone that I have it sometimes like is enough to help it go from like an 11 down to like an eight and a half, uh, nine. <laughs> so, but and so one of my tricks is I'm going to eat popcorn and, and that helps, you know, this guy's just trying to enjoy his popcorn. It's not like he's doing this to annoy me. Right. And I'm completely aware of that. And so by me eating these calories that I don't necessarily want to eat, I can sit and enjoy the movie that much easier. What's much harder to drown out, drown out is someone talking um, because after, you know, I get halfway through my bowl of popcorn, I don't hear this guy anymore. He doesn't exist to me. However, the person on my right is talking to like her husband, uh, this woman, and it's fairly incessant, like every five or six minutes. And the movie I saw today was Ford v Ferrari and it's a two and a half hour movie. So, you know, you, you average that out and that's, that's a lot of chit chat, a lot of talking. And it's not just that, like she was slapping him whenever something was going on, like the race was getting exciting and she would like start banging on his arm or banging on her leg. And it's, it's, I don't know. It's loud. It's a sharp crack in your ear. Um, you can't ignore. And so sometimes she was like pointing at the screen and I was just, I wasn't beside myself. I was just rolling my eyes and like, it's really hard to focus right now when someone keeps talking every few minutes. So I put up a flag and they didn't take care of it until like 10 minutes before the end of the movie. Uh, and I put the flag up, you know, around the 45 minute mark. I try not to go straight to it because people settle in usually and they just, you know, lose themselves in the story, which is great. That's good storytelling. And this was a great story. <laughs> and, and so she didn't. And eventually the guy, my waiter saw, uh, as he was dropping the check off, he saw kind of the misery on my face, I guess, because he then almost immediately told her as she was in the middle of making another comment, he's like, Hey, can you not talk? Um, and it wasn't really like a, 10 minutes before the end of the movie though. Yeah, literally. And to the point where just so you know, I'm not just being West for lack of a better phrase here. Like they gave me a rain check. Oh, wow. Well, this doesn't mean awesome. much to me because I have a $20 a month plan that gives me free movies. <laughs> and so this, oh. I'm going to just rip it. No, I'm no, kidding. no. How will we give it away <laughs> to a, yeah. If someone here in Austin wants to, you know, just raise a flag and I'll come by your table <laughs> and give you a free ticket. But leave so, a comment. So that's the negative side of it. Whenever, you know, someone is talking and like clapping, literally she was clapping at certain points that nobody else was clapping at. I mean, those theaters aren't mm -hmm. generally like that, but the, whenever I removed myself from the aggravation of it, the other thing that I thought was actually really cool is man, she is so invested in this story right now. She's excited, like she's thrilled and she's she has to express that. Now, cynically, I can look at that and say she's trying to make the movie experience about her, 
and her enjoyment of it to those around her. Uh, but I don't know her. I can't really make that judgment call. And so, you know, more optimistically, uh, I think she was just really excited and entertained and uh, enjoying the experience. And that's a really cool thing. Like if I ever made something that made someone clap and gasp and sob like she was heaving. Um, oh, wow. And I don't know why, to be quite honest. But really? Yeah. Uh, oh, wow. At certain points, she was like just bawling and excitedly jabbering with her neighbor like i would be so thrilled to have created such a response from somebody um and we've made things before that made people cry which is uh it's cool i mean it's not like i just want to see you know cry baby yes Yes, you do (laughs) i do yes you do yeah (laughs) but it's a that's a really profound reaction uh to something that you created and thought up and that so that to me is also the power of movies you know that it can really affect someone that they can lose themselves in this experience because they believe it they're buying in Mm -hmm. and they're they're here for it wow that's a very optimistic way (laughs) of looking at that terrible experience luckily i'd already seen it once before yeah and so it wasn't forever marred but yeah i was still like well that's a very optimistic way and you are very empathetic person for seeing it that way. <laughs> However, they put a big effing disclaimer at the beginning of every single movie saying this auditorium is now a no talking is now a quiet zone. It, which takes a good minute and a half to go through twice because they do that. Yes. Little teaser beforehand, right. the teaser and that thing. Like I, I get, okay. I understand the whole, nonverbal grabbing the leg mm-hmm. or like pointing or whatever. I totally get that. Right. As distracting as that is, that's, you know, I, I get it, but talking, no, I'm sorry. You know, like, but yeah, I, I see your point and that is a very, very beautiful way to look at it. No, but thank you for vocalizing um, the, the reality. I'm verifying your reality. <laughs> yeah, that, you. yeah. Yeah. I know you're trying to be good about it. So. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So what are we doing today? I'm excited. We're going to do Ford V Ferrari. Yes. Very excited about that. That's awesome. Um, so spoiler alert, we're going to cover this whole movie. Uh, so if you have not seen it, jump into a theater, go watch it and then come back and, and, uh, and check it out. Yeah. We're going to talk about a lot of things or just a couple, really. Yeah. We're going to do this incredibly super in-depth cinematography breakdown. We're going to go blow for blow on the fine mechanics of how they made this. Or I have one very tiny note. <laughs> I'll let you be. I'll let you be. The judge. That's it. All right. Yeah. Okay, cool. Uh, we'll also talk about writing and keeping a story on topic. This was actually my favorite thing yeah. uh, that we've never, I don't think we've ever talked about really. Um, and this is such a good movie to, to use it on uh, and other such stuff and things and stuff. So a quick synopsis of the film, uh, American car designer, Carol Shelby and driver Ken Miles battle corporate interference uh, the laws of physics and their own personal demons to build a revolutionary race car for Ford and challenge Ferrari at the 24 hour uh, hours of Le Mans in 1966 directed by James Mangold written by Jez Butterworth, John Henry Butterworth and Jason Keller cinematography by Fedden Papa Michael. Yep. Yeah, sure. Featuring Christian Bale as Ken Miles, Matt Damon as Carol Shelby, uh, Katrona Balfe as Molly Miles, Josh Lucas as Leo Beebe, John Bernthal as Lee Iacocca, and Tracy Letts as Henry Ford II. You can't just push the car hard the whole way, right? That's right. You have to be kind to the car. You feel the poor thing groaning underneath you. 
If you're going to push a piece of machinery to the limit and expect it to hold together, you have to have some sense of where that limit is. Look out there. Out there is the perfect lap. No mistakes. Every gear change, every corner. Perfect. You see it. I think so. Most people can't. Most people don't even know it's out there, but it is. It's there. I love that so much. Mm -hmm. Like, I, I've tried really, really hard to let go of perfectionism. I think that can be such a trap. Um, but at the same time, you do want to pursue it. Right. You want to pursue perfection, but it's one of those things that can also lock you in from ever completing a work. And that's where I kind of draw my line is, is this going to be a nominal increase in my ROI, right? My return on my energy that I'm investing in trying to perfect whatever this minor thing is. If it's not going to improve it in a pretty proportional way, then I need to be done with this and move on. Um, but if I, and so that's a subjective thing for me, right? That to say, oh yeah, this is, this is it. But every time, every, whatever I create, everything I write, even if it's something silly for, you know, some corporate project that I'm working on, I want perfection. I, I really want to see, can I do this as well as I can possibly do it? And every time, anything that I'm working on, I always take that attitude in there. And I've, just love hearing that kind of vocalized by someone in a completely different field. Cause who knows how many times he does that? Like a thousand laps by over 24 hours, you know, these three minute laps. Yeah. And he's thinking for 1000 laps, can I do this perfectly 1000 times? That's, or even just once. Yeah. Can I even nail this just once? Yeah. Uh, which becomes a, a, a point later on, but what did you think? What, you know, uh, sitting down and watching this, I, I assume you only saw it the once. Yeah, I just saw it the once. Yeah. yeah. I want to see it again. Yeah. How did that, how did it hit you? Yeah, I loved it. Uh, it was, it's funny because I don't care about cars. I, I just don't, I, I never have, uh, I mean, there are some, there's one car or maybe a couple of cars that I'm like, wow, that's a beautiful piece of machinery. But that's what I see. I see it as a piece of ingenuity, engineering, utility, and beauty, but not something that I aspire to attain, right? Or to be a part of, right? It's like watching Alex Honnold climb, you know, the, the El Cap. Like, that's amazing. I will never do that, you know? And so I'm not, I'm not like crazy about cars, uh, um, which all you car people out there, sorry, you know, but this made me love cars. This movie made me understand in so many ways why people love cars and why people love racing, right? But more than that, it made me feel good to be human, right? Because it, it's like, I've always strived kind of like you to be the, do the best at what I've, whatever I'm doing, I want to be the best at it, right? And this is a story of being the best, but going from, you know, rags to literally the best in the world and doing that at, at any, in any profession is, is difficult and seems seeming impossible and, and everything. But 
it just, it was a, it was a beautiful story. Um, I never noticed the camera very much, which was great, uh, because it never took me out of the story. The performances were fantastic. I want to, uh, I mean, Christian Bale, he stole the show for me because I, I didn't even realize, and we, we warned you spoilers alert. Well, if you know the story, it's not a spoiler, but I didn't even realize how good of a job he did until he died. And I missed him, even though it was the end of the movie and I was expecting him to go away anyway, because the movie was going to end. It was like, I felt a hole, you know, in the universe because he wasn't there anymore, but I didn't notice myself like being a, like attached, becoming attached to him throughout the film. I just, I liked him. I, I liked him as a person, you know, um, Ken Miles, that is, I liked him as a person and, and I liked his relationship with Carol Shelby and, and what they were trying to do together and how they complemented each other so well. And so then when he was gone, I felt like this huge hole in the story, not just the story, but like the universe. Right. So that was, that was beautiful. And then him, Carol Shelby going to see the sun one last time was so moving. And I felt as a father, like really, you know, touched about that. And I, yeah, I just thought the story was, was great going in. I remember we saw it. I took a half day off of work and we went in to Alamo, like what, 1130 or something. Yeah. Yeah. And because it was two and a half hour movie. And I, I remember going in thinking, damn it, this is going to be one of those movies where I'm going to walk out and say they could have cut 45 minutes to an hour off this thing. And, you know, when I walked out, I was like, no, no. I felt like every shot, every scene was important. One of my favorite scenes in the whole movie was when Shelby drove around, drove Henry Ford II oh. around in the car that he is, his millions of dollars had been building that he'd never even seen and just, just shook him to the core to the point where he's like weeping. And yeah, that was funny that he cried and everything or, or that he was like, whatever, but it was, it was what Shelby said to him for, I knew he was going to say if my daddy could see this, you know, and that's but. such an incredible thing. I feel like everyone in the theater knew where that was heading Yeah, because that initial reaction is to laugh because you're like, Oh man. And then as the, the scene just, we just stay there with him as he's crying and crying and crying, you begin to realize this meant something else to him. This yeah. wasn't about, I was, I'm afraid this is, I miss my dad. Yeah. Yeah. And how like, his dad would be proud with what he's, yeah. what he's helped to build. Right. He felt connected for the first time, probably. Yes, totally. With his to, dad. Not, uh, yes, yes. Not just with the car. Yeah. Good point. Not just with the car, but with his dad. Um, but for me, it was, it was like also what, like how Shelby, what he said after that. Right. Which oh, I can't, yeah. I can't like put it in, I can't say the exact words, but it was something like, this is just a piece. This is just a machine without the right driver, right? The right driver can take a crappy car and make it much faster. Right. So, and which is, you know, goes to say with any kind of machine, really it's the operator, right? Yeah. Most of the time, unless it's Tesla, I guess, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but, but anyway, point being, uh, I really enjoyed it. I, I, it was a lot of fun. I would see it again, even though it's two and a half hours, uh, I would love to see it again. And, um, uh, the story was really great and, and yeah, it, it took me everywhere. I felt like I wanted to go. Um, yeah, solid. Which is crazy because walking in, 
I I didn't expect it to be that. No. I you know just seeing the preview, I was like, oh, you know what? Uh, yeah, I guess I'll check that out because I'm just exactly like you. I really don't care about cars. Uh, my nephew since he was five years old, has known more about cars than I still do. Mm. Um, and I'm not even exaggerating. As a five-year-old, we would drive around. He would point out this car and that car, and uh, he could talk about how to fix this or that. And literally, I don't recognize any cars on the road if it's if it's not a Tesla. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, right. I don't know what it is. Yeah. And so I'm not a car person. I And I expected this to be a little bit of a uh, Ricky Bobby kind of situation where, oh, we're going to go fast. We're going to stick one to the man uh, and hooray for America. I thought that was going to be about the extent of it. And good Lord, it was anything but. Yeah. Uh, it was so much more personal and focused. And yeah, it just really surprised me the depth of emotion, uh, considering this really is all about racing and cars. And mm-hmm. um, and a I mean, I guess on a, on some level, it's nothing about those things. Um, but every scene, everything in this film is just discussing one thing. And it's all the people around it that make up the story and how they connect and how they see the world and uh, their place in it. And yeah, I completely took me by surprise. And like you said, man, Christian Bell, good Lord. Yeah. Like, I, I'm pretty sure that wasn't his accent. I know he's British, um, or at least I think he's British. Yeah. Uh, yes. But it's amazing how much effort he puts into getting an accent right. Yeah. Because I, there's so many flavors of you know British accents that it could be the kind of easy thing to just say, oh, I'll just do me, and that'll be that. Uh, but his tone was completely different from anything else, right? It was just a little bit lighter of a tone. Yeah. The way he bounced around words and his rhythm, his cadence was completely specific to uh, this guy who just really loves life and loves cars and loves racing. Um, You know, he's talking to himself, right? All these little comments. Those are hard to pull off, man, because you see characters talk to themselves in other films and it always feels a little scripty. It always feels like, okay, they're just... They're trying to use this to create an expositional moment, and I get it. Like, he's unhappy or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. But whenever he's doing it, you feel like, no, he's just, he's, he's talking to the car and himself. Like, this yeah. is, this is just part of his personality. And I completely buy in and I'm laughing and, you know, enjoying all these things. Um, I think all of that definitely stems from his own personal homework, but I think it also starts with understanding, you know, the speech, you know, like, here's going to be my dialect. I'm going to really work this out. I'm going to nail it. And from there, it just kind of, for me anyway, whenever I'm trying to change my tones in a performance, uh, that completely influences all my delivery. Cause you know, if you speak in a certain way, then it just kind of carries its own, uh, sonic melody. Mm-hmm. And of course, him playing with Matt Damon on screen was just absolutely. It's so much fun. Yeah, I forget how good Matt Damon is. No, yeah, he's <laughs> Matt Damon. Yeah. yeah, no, he's fantastic. Yeah, and his his best line, his best line to me was after they lose the that first year. And he goes into Henry Ford Second's office and, and he's like, give me one reason why I shouldn't fire you and your whole team. And he's, and he tells that, and you're sitting there thinking as a viewer, what's the reason he just spent millions of dollars and you lost. And his, his just brilliant. It was like, we had the fastest lap ever and Ferrari will not forget that. And that will drive him nuts. 
You're he welcome. knows we're coming from him. You're welcome. It's like, whoa. Like, I, I wonder what he actually said. Shelby. Carol yeah, Shelby oh, yeah. In, in, in the room. life. I wonder if that was it or something like My that. My favorite line uh, from Shelby slash Damon was when Ken Miles, uh, they're at, I think they're, I don't remember if it's Lamont or not, but uh, he comes out and he's like, hey, oh, no, it's the race where Shelby's put up his whole company if they lose. Oh, yes. And he, Ken Miles gets out, you know, during a, a pit yeah. stop and he walks up to him. He's like, hey, I'm, I'm telling you, man, we need to open this thing up. It wants to do over 7,000. Like, I promise you. And Shelby doesn't even look at him. He just says, uh-huh. And he just keeps looking like off into the distance. And, and, and Miles walks away like that's the end of that conversation. Like, I heard you. Yeah. And it's just, uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> It's so good. That's great. <laughs> All those little things. Yeah, I love those little moments because that's that's human. And it just feels like a football coach. Yeah. And all the way, even the way they shot him sometimes, it felt like I'm watching a football coach on the sideline who's calling plays and who's not getting rattled by small things here and there. He's seeing the bigger picture. And Is, was that the race where he where he write, writes 7,000 on the board and walks out? Go like the, hell. Go like hell. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> Oh, so good. So good. Okay. Um, yeah, no, I just, there's those little moments are hard to write. Yeah. And I'm assuming it was written, but if not, then Damon's a damn genius. <laughs> what? So what do you think? Um, I mean, I loved it. Yeah. I, I really, yeah, I just, I could not help but be lock stock in step with these guys and, uh, rooting and like on the edge of my seat, you know, at times and, uh, playing everything that they wanted me to feel I was feeling every step of the way. And those, those little moments that aren't telegraphed, but that they lead you there anyway, is just brilliant filmmaking. Mm -hmm. That crying scene, I think is like the top. That's so incredibly hard to insert this idea into my head that I, I would love to see kind of that's a magician's trick right there. He just pulled my card out of my wallet. Like It's like, how did you freaking do this? Um, and I think there's all these subtle cues for one. They never they never have. And this is not one of my notes. So I'm just riffing here. Uh, but I every time the deuce, as they call him, is in a scene, he invokes his father. Every single time. Hmm. The very first time we see him, he stops the factory that he's in, which is a Ford factory. Yeah. And he tells a story about, you know, uh, his grandfather w walking home from the Edison Bowl factory or whatever. Uh, and so every time we see him, we see how riled up he gets whenever he hears uh, Enzo Ferrari's comments that you're not Henry Ford. You're the second. Yeah. Like, and so I think there's been all these subtle implications and then they remove all of that until this scene whenever he has this breakdown and the longer it goes the more time we spend in our head analyzing this man before us and the only thing there is to think about is his dad because that's all they've let you think about up to up until that point yeah man so i think that might be the the card trick but regardless it's brilliant it yeah freaking nails me the what do you uncover so yeah cinematography uh not not super complicated here <laughs> yeah <laughs> The one thing that, you know, if you want to shoot a car going super, super fast, get the camera low, low to the ground. Uh, now you're all this parallax, all the you see the the ground feels like it's going a thousand times faster. 
I bet most of those she- scenes, you know, were shot at like 40, 50 miles an hour. Oh, yeah. And I'm sure a handful of times they're going to get it up there to, you know, 100, 150. But for the most part, I don't know that you really want to go super fast whenever you can get the impression and you you don't have to worry about running out of roadway. Because whenever you're shooting some of these scenes, you know what your background you want it to be. But the longer those scenes run then the less of that background you're going to get, the scenery is going to change too fast. And so I think it's important to know how to create an effect without losing, you know, your composition in the process. Mm-hmm. And I think that's kind of one of the low hanging fruit ways to do that is let's get the camera low to the ground. And now it's just going to feel incredibly fast because of wide angle. And now the ground just, it doesn't matter if it's going fast or not. It mm-hmm. feels fast. Yeah. Um, and that's, Something I'll definitely take into, you know, my my hat. Cool. Story and writing wise, I'll build up to my favorite thing. But towards the beginning, whenever they're doing that very first race where we meet Ken Miles, Mm -hmm. Shelby's waking up and he's in his whatever trailer and there's that knocking. We've talked about this once or twice on the on on the pestle before, but uh, the knocking is incessant and it drives me nuts. (laughs) But that's what it's there for. It's like an attention grabbing thing. That's like a wake up like. We, it's almost like a baby crying. You can't help but notice it, and your attention is like, get up, get up, and you're almost yelling at Shelby. Yeah, get up, get up, and, so this guy stops yeah, knocking. Leave us alone. Yes, and it also that's also how you feel, how he feels. So it's kind of putting us in Shelby's place of we're annoyed and we're 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 getting going or whatever. But it's a really effective way to bring people in. But you got to be careful with it because if you overplay that card, you're just annoying people at a certain point. Yeah. Um, and the point goes very quickly. <laughs> Especially for you, right? Yeah, super quick. Another cool thing I liked was when he starts Le Mans and the door won't close. Oh, yeah. It's so distracting. Did that really happen? I have no idea. Uh, it really is. <laughs> uh, yeah. Super distracting. And what's great is the edit, they, they often hide it with these tight shots to, to let us know whether or not it closed. And so it's distracting us exactly like it's distracting, distracting him. him. Yeah. You know, because he's not sure. And then suddenly it flaps open again. He's like, what does this keep? And so it kind of keeps us distracted as the race is going around. We're like, we need to get back to racing. And that's what he's thinking too. I need to get back to racing. <laughs> and so it's a really well crafted scene to help us kind of empathize with what uh, Ken Miles is going through. Another thing uh, throughout the entire movie, this is an incredibly emotional movie, but they reserve all that emotion on screen. Like they hold back a lot of the tears and the emotions. And I think doing that, anytime you can create this undercurrent, this undertow of emotion, and then not let the characters display it. Like if you think of the scene after he gets uh, caught on fire and he gets out, and then we cut to that scene of his son Mm -hmm. talking to the mechanic and his son is asking these very pointed questions about, you know, what happens, you know, if someone uh, catches on fire, have you ever been on fire? Nope. What would happen? You know, Mm -hmm. he, he, but he got out of the car. Sometimes they don't get out of the car, but your dad did. He got out of the car, didn't he? Yeah. And you can just feel the worry and the, I don't know, the fret of his son. And we start to own that for him Mm -hmm. because he's not expressing it. it, We're forced to feel it that much more. uh, And, we it definitely makes you want to just like 
oh god (laughs) get out of the car uh and of course that scene in particular is foreshadowing a number of things for one the door gets jammed you begin to worry the rest of that race is this going to happen so there's kind of this added tension and anxiety about him uh getting trapped in a fireball uh but of course it's the very end that they save it for but there was only one time when they kind of let the emotions creep out and it's at the very very end when shelby goes by to see him and he sits in his car and he finally lets it out a little bit and then he really expresses it through his car. He peels out and almost hits a bunch of people. Yep. And, uh, Which is what he does at the very beginning. Yeah. It's yeah. <laughs> how he comes. It's how he goes. Yeah. And so, but my favorite part of this movie is they make the story about what the story is about and they cut everything that isn't that this, this is a movie about cars. Yeah. It's about racing. And so every scene, every conversation revolves around that. And I went through specifically looking at this movie saying, do they ever not discuss or deal with cars? Nope. Like there's maybe two snippets, maybe two snippets. So one of them is very short and brief. Uh, it's when they throw the firecrackers at the girls. It's super, super brief. Like they they're working on the cars and the scene opens with these girls kind of walking by this window and these couple of kids are. Oh, that's uh, right. They throw these whatever fireworks at them and they pop and the girls yell and then we swivel over and the one of the mechanics is chewing them out and he walks over to Shelby and Shelby's like, hey, would you get on do something about that? He's like, hey, it's already been handled. There are no distractions from this movie. This isn't about women. This isn't about jacking around. This is about cars. And that's almost a a shot across the bow to say, hey, nope, we're not doing that today. Oh, yeah. (laughs) This is going to be about one thing only. Yeah. And the other scene is it's where they dance whenever his wife comes up after he got snubbed from driving that very first race. But even then, they're in a garage. In a garage. They're surrounded by cars. Yeah. And he's listening to the race. And it's, yeah, and it's his wife. And his wife, he tries to turn it off, and his wife turns it back on. Uh, That was wonderful. And then she uh, switches it to a a song, and they dance to the song. Right. But the whole purpose of that scene is he's being comforted because of what he's missing out on. Yeah. And it's it's still in the subtext, totally about cars and racing. Cars and racing. And that's... That's so key. I feel like a big thing that so many filmmakers do, uh, especially younger ones who are trying to make their first film or even a short film, is they don't know what their film is about. And so they write in all these things that they find interesting. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it's ultimately distracting from whatever point you're trying to make. Yeah. Because if you've never tried to write 90 minutes of content that all talk about a thing, Man, it's hard. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so sometimes you just want to amuse people. Well, unless it's a comedy, I don't. I feel like everything else should be a drama, and all dramas should be about whatever it is they're about. If it's about mm-hmm. relationships, if it's about racing, like I never would have thought you could make a two and a half hour movie that was purely about racing. I would have thought for sure several minutes of this, minutes of this would have been about garbage but and i was listening to a podcast a few weeks ago that was about writing screenwriting and uh these writers were talking and lamenting and these are writers who have done far more than maybe i'll ever do but they were all talking about how certain some scenes are so unrealistic like why you know 
during a sex scene, no one ever, you know, asked for a condom. It's like, hey, you putting a condom on? Or uh, after sex, they they should, you know, the girl should go pee, you know, to prevent a UTI or uh, et cetera, et cetera. There should be more bathroom breaks and like blah blah blah. And I I know that they were vocalizing these things, but in my mind, I know they also have to know that there's a reason that those things don't happen. It's not because they're not important in real life. It's because you're trying to tell a story and keep people connected to your story. And if a thing doesn't have to do with that, you cut it. It doesn't yeah. make sense. It's not furthering your goal. Yeah. Um, unless your goal is to make this as humanly grounded and boring as possible. In which case we'll, we'll watch paint dry and people mow the lawn. Like, I don't know yeah, what, right. what else we're trying to do here. Uh, we're telling a story and this, the, the story is the focus. And so whenever I'm thinking two and a half hours, there's nothing in here I would cut. And there's been plenty of movies when I've walked out and I've said, I could have cut 30 minutes out of that. Yeah. Not, a, I would really struggle to tighten a minute, minute out of this thing. It's so focused and mm-hmm. uh, perfect. All this stuff with his wife is about racing. Even, even she's like the one trying to talk him into racing. Yeah. <laughs> towards the beginning. Yeah. Um, and even whenever they're having a conversation about kind of the honesty of the relationship, in a sense. They're in a car and she's driving <laughs> and she's racing the car. She's racing the car. And he's, like commentating on her driving (laughs) everything with his son is about driving and racing like every pore of this film is sweating out one thing only and Mm -hmm. i absolutely adore that and it's a great lesson for me for sure the other interesting thing was that there is a villain in this but it isn't really even ferrari this is ford v ferrari but it might should be called ford v bureaucracy yeah exactly (laughs) Ford V red tape. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's right. Like there's a, uh, the, the diner scene towards the beginning when Shelby is pitching Ken Miles this idea and they're at the end of the dinner. You're going Shelby. to beat a Ferrari with a fold. <laughs> yeah. yes. But Ken does a great job. He lays out the track ahead exactly where the curves and corners will be when working with Ford. And he tells them like, Hey, they want to be like you, but they hate you for not being like them. Mm-hmm. Like, He's just so on the nose about where the real contention is going to be throughout this movie. And it's like that the whole way there. Like it come build a car for us. Okay, but yeah, but do it our way. Hey, you do it your way this time for real, for real, right? That's when Except for when we want you to do it our way. That's right. Like it's because at that point I really kind of buy in. I'm like, oh finally we get this. Who is he? Leo BB. We finally get this ding dong out of the way and now we can just focus on making the best thing we can make. And then, of course, he starts trying to control the RPMs and this and that. And he's like, no, man, at some point, like, I need to have say so. And he, I love that he just kind of gives it over to Ken. He's like, you know what? You're in the car. It's your car. You do it. Mm -hmm. And sometimes if you haven't done a thing, you don't know what it means to do that thing. And Shelby, was he was a racer. He's the only other American, I guess, at that point, who had won Le Mans. And so for him to look at Ken and tell him anything else, uh, he knows he almost would have been betraying himself. Like, yeah. how would I respond to that? I wouldn't. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I would not. Yeah, exactly. In fact, at the beginning of the movie, right, he he's, catches fire and they're like, you need to stop. He's like, am I on fire now? <laughs> <laughs> Fuel it up. Let's yeah. go. <laughs> this is perfect. So what a great, great way to start the movie too. Yeah. And then he drives off, drives off into blackness. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I was waiting for something. I was right. like so tense right at the very beginning. I'm like, oh my God. It's like if you're driving at night and you turn your head off, headlights off, 
I ch- don't do that. No. But I have done it for like five seconds, and then I frantically turn them back on. You know, it, yeah, <laughs> it's it, terrifying. It was scared. And to be fair, I mean, the very next scene is what he runs into, right? It's the yeah. doctor. And yeah, yeah. His heart issues or whatever. Mm-hmm. I have no idea what those pills were fixing, but I hope he kept taking I mean, them. Yeah, they, I think it's always funny in movies where they drink pills. Yeah. You're just like constantly just pouring pills down your throat. Like, what is it? It's who knows what that is. You know, there's salt tablets. Who knows? Right. But uh, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that's pretty much all the notes I have. <laughs> cool. I, I thought it was funny on the way home after watching that. I swear I'm not lying. A Ford GT pulled up next to me at a stoplight right by my house. <laughs> like I, I looked at it like an original. It looked very original, you know, Dang. like 1960s. I was I looked at it or 70s. I looked at it. I was like, oh, my God. And it was some middle aged white guy who <laughs> probably didn't know what he had. But it was like pretty amazing, you know, seeing that. And it was just hilarious because I've never actually seen one in real life. And yet, yeah. driving home, yeah, one of all pulls days. up right next to me. That's crazy. On, on at a stoplight, right? I, gotta, I probably could beat it zero to thirty in my little i three. <laughs> you know, it's funny. Normally, after a movie like this, whenever I get in my car and I go home, mm-hmm. you know, you kind of want to race. I didn't. No, I wanted yeah. to go as responsible as possible. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't either. I mean, you know, it, it's funny. We say, we say that a good movie is about more than what it's about. Mm-hmm. And yes, this was a movie about racing the whole thing. You're, you're right. I'm st- I was sitting here trying to think of a scene that didn't have racing in it and I can't. And that's, I think especially because I'm not into racing, that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. It's definitely good for people who are into racing because then it's no fluff. It's like all about it, about what you love. But then it's also good for those of us who are not so into it because it allows us to, it pulls us into it without any kind of like letting us back up for air, you know, for anything else. Oh, there's a relationship thing here, mm. or there's like a, uh, something happened, random happens over there. It's these two guys are in every scene of the movie. At least one of them is in every scene and it, just about them and their relationship and their, their drive to make something that nobody's made before to do something nobody's done. No Americans done before. It also has this little bit of like, you know, American home cooking kind of thing where you, you, you're almost proud. Yeah. You know, you're proud of, of American engineering. Yeah. For the first time in a long time. (laughs) I I mean, I, yeah, I loved it. I I really enjoyed it a whole lot. Yeah. Badass. Nice. What else did you have? Anything? Nothing. Yeah. I, I, it's so, it's weird. I feel like, Unless, like doing these, unless um, a movie does something out of the ordinary, you know, it's it's very just like blanket. That was really good. Yeah. You know. Yeah. But you know, then you have you have these other movies that are just like the epic things that go all over the place, and so you have a lot to talk about because there has to be a lot that goes into that. But this is just a very straightforward movie that's about one thing not a ton of subplots like no this the the plot was all kind of tied up into into the same thing which was them winning Le Mans I mean briefly there was a subplot about their finances but Mm -hmm. that gets taken care of very quickly which was interesting because being that I'm 
going to turn 40 here in a couple of weeks. He says that when he's, when he's quitting racing, he says that he got into it too late in life. Mm. Right. And I, th- I feel like a lot of, you know, that is, that's always been like a thing for me. Like, like whatever I'm finding, I'm finding it too late, whether that's learning how to play guitar, whether that's playing football, whether that's, that's playing, you know, singing, whether that's racing, whatever it is, film. I always feel like I'm late, you know, but he ended up, you know, being one of the greatest American race or he wasn't American, but one of the greatest racers, man. And that just, I love, you know, I love stories like that. An underdog at 45. How old was he? He was in his forties. Definitely was. Yeah. Cause this was in the sixties and he fought in the world war two. Right. Right. So, uh, yeah, I, I did notice that and I latched onto him. I think a lot when he said that, cause he was making in that same breath, he was making a responsible decision to find a way to take care of his family, which he had to do. That was his, that was necessary. So he yeah. had to do that and he did it, but then he was pulled back in by Shelby. So like, that's the other thing I, I sent you that, that Instagram. Oh, they just accepted me a few minutes ago. Oh, okay. You need to watch it. <laughs> it's, it's, it's just this little video of a guy swimming to shore, uh, in a river. And as he's swimming, you see it like an alligator coming after him. And his buddy is on the, is on the shore throwing rocks at the alligator. Right. And the, the tagline is, is something like <laughs> you, you're not getting a Christmas present from me unless you're this kind of friend. Cause this guy is throwing rocks at the alligator. And then when that doesn't scare the alligator off, he jumps in the water and like elbows, like does a flying elbow on the alligator what? to save his buddy and then swims back to shore. It's amazing. It's like 10 seconds long. And it's like, oh, I watched it oh like 30 times. God. It's so good. It's so good. But it's also, you know, that's his story. There's a relationship with this, fr- this friendship that's like, it, there's turmoil and they fight and they're mad at each other. Mm. But in the end, they have the same goal, right? They, they love the same thing and they always come back to that, right? And so there is like that little, that is a sub a subplot, right? Of, of find your friend, like find your guys. Cause they'll bring you with you with them. Right. If I, if I do something big, I'm taking you with me. Yeah. If you do something big, you're taking me with you. Like, yeah. that's the thing. It's like, you know what I'm about. I'm about doing something great. I know what you're about. You're about doing something great. So whoever gets a chance first, cool. That's awesome. What can I do to help? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's awesome. I, I think that's why I probably felt for losing Ken, you know, so much because mm. I felt it for Shelby because Shelby had lost a friend even more so than, than his son losing a father, that his wife losing a husband. I felt it for Shelby and granted, you know, they, they're focusing on him crying, yeah. not on his son doesn't cry. They don't show his son crying. They don't show his wife crying. So yeah, I don't know. I, I thought that was beautiful. Their, their <laughs> friendship, you know. That's awesome. And the, the, the I did send you uh, a behind the scenes thing on them fighting. Oh yeah, That's which was so so, so fun of them of them the the fight scene uh, in the front yard where they they're fighting or whatever, and then they yell cut and they're start they're just laughing. You know, it's so great. I love behind the scenes stuff, <laughs> things like that. That's awesome. Yeah. 
Nice. That was a lot of fun, man. Yeah, I enjoyed it. I bet there's plenty of people out there that have more that they that they want to cover on this. And so if you do, please comment uh, yeah. and let us know what we missed. Drop us a note. I'm sure there's plenty. So we have a bet going. On, yeah, yeah, we do. So normally at this point, we share our recommendations unless you listened to last week, in which case we did not. We did not. And I had yeah. a great one for last week, too. Did you really? Yeah. Do you want to make it tonight, too? Mm, uh, no. <laughs> but right now we're making a bet on whether or not if I can guess Todd's recommendation, then he's going to buy me a popcorn at our next movie. And if you can't, what? Nothing. I guess yeah. nothing. Yeah. <laughs> But I have to give you a hint. Ooh, okay. It's not a movie. Son of a... I have to, I have to, because if you, I I know you're thinking that it's a movie, because normally they are movies, but we can recommend anything, so... That's a great point. Okay, then... It's bigger than a bread box. (laughs) I think you recommend the Cybertruck. Oh my God. What? I am not lying. That was it. <laughs> Is it really? I- <laughs> Are you kidding me? Are you fucking kidding me? Uh, you know what's funny is that whenever it came out, I was like, I bet Todd Rick is going to recommend this. No. From that moment. <laughs> I think it looks awesome. Like- Are you kidding me? <laughs> I wish I had like a trick. Were you going to say that if I hadn't said it's not a movie? Mm-mm. Oh, no, no, no. I would have said Cannonball Run. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been not even close. But oh, are you kidding me? That is not possible. Not bad, right? I don't, I'm afraid of you right now. I don't want to touch you. <laughs> what is going on? How are you? How is this a thing? <sighs> I've gotten a few of these, huh? Yes, you have. <laughs> almost every single one of them. Oh, my God. Uh, yeah. So, I'm... Shit. I owe you popcorn. Oh, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I owe you yes. popcorn. All right. I mean, you you earned it that time. Oh, my God. That's exciting. <sighs> Nothing gives me more joy than... Because I feel like those kinds of moments require... A multiple multitude of things for one, like knowing somebody, but also kind of empathizing on why they arrived at that thing, whatever it is. There was this one time me and my buddy Juwan were driving across country. He was moving out to L.A. He's in New York now working crazy stuff, but he's got a couple of Emmys also. Way to go, Juwan. Oh, wow. Um, awesome. And so we we're driving cross country and we were listening to a music whatever tracks he had on his, you know, iPod or whatever. And he was like, man, there was a song. Uh, God, what was this song? And I was like, Sixpence None the Richer. He looked at me like I lost my mind. He was like, how the hell would you know that that's where I went? <laughs> what? And I couldn't really articulate why I knew. But those kinds of things happen a lot where I'm like, yeah, I think this I think and it's only a handful of people that I feel like I know well enough to make these kinds of jumps, but it's always just really fun to feel like, you know, I, Hey, I know you, you're a witch. <laughs> that is un unreal. Uh, that's fun. I just have no. So wow. My recommend and there's zero chance you would ever be able to pull this one out. I don't know. I mean, I'll pay for your house. If you do, you get one. Yes. 
You got to give me a... Uh, okay. Uh, it's a TV show. <laughs> it's a TV show. Well, no. Hmm. Hold on. Hold on. Dukes of Hazard. Ooh, damn. That's a really good yes, but no. Right. Um, damn I'm I gonna, was almost <laughs> almost had my mortgage taken care of. <laughs> that would have been a good trade. I bought you popcorn you pay for my house. Fair exchange. Yeah. I'm going to recommend uh, Outlander. If you've never seen that, it stars one of the actresses, maybe the only actress in this film, Katrona Balfe, Balfe mm-hmm. um, who played Molly Miles. She's so fantastic, and this is kind of a boys' movie. And so, if you want to watch like a really great period piece, I highly recommend Outlander. It's about a woman who accidentally, and it sounds cheesy on his face, but it's really, really good. Uh, about a woman who travels from World War II back to like 14th century Scotland, mm. something like that, 14, uh, mm. 17th century Scotland. And yeah, really fun, really imaginative, and uh, great drama. Yeah. Fun. Um, <laughs> I don't. I still don't even. Um. This week's short spotlight mm. is going to. Uh, <laughs> short <laughs> okay, sorry. I'm back. <laughs> A short film by Derek Mary Mari called "I Think My Sleep Paralysis Demon Is a Casting Agent." Uh, it's really odd and offbeat, and just funny enough like cool. it's like so like what how, how that's the big question is how are you going to pull off a film that's titled that <laughs> i think my sleep paralysis demon as a casting director can be found on our website uh the pestle podcast.com slash ford v ferrari and stay tuned next week whenever we cover Moneyball. that's yeah. the brad pitt jonah hill baseball movie which you may just be put off but if you can watch ford v ferrari and be super entertained then same thing goes for moneyball yeah um yeah so go watch that join us next week don't forget to subscribe review us on itunes and google play and spotify i don't know if you can do reviews in spotify um but we're there yeah, i think so nice well then do it uh, and also leave us a note if you'd like us to talk about a thing uh or you want to comment on this episode you can do that at the pestlepodcast.com slash ford v ferrari and our quote of the day is by dale earnhardt i woke up this morning and i still don't believe i won the daytona 500 you think he said that every day of his life yeah maybe probably yeah, yeah. like the one thing that kind of sprung to mind whenever i read this quote uh was that so often whenever you're driven to be the best of the best, like you have this goal in your head that I'm going to win whatever the Daytona 500 an Oscar like that for me, that would be just the most outrageous, insane thing in the world. And if you pursue something so, so hard, you have to be really careful because once you catch it, I think it can be devastating. <laughs> like it can be really upsetting in the sense that where is my purpose now? Mm-hmm. Because if you place too much emphasis on a thing and you get that thing, you know, there's kind of this abyss that begins to swallow you up. Uh, I'm not that that's where he ended up, but I think that idea of being in disbelief that I won because nothing changes. It, you get a trophy and now you have a memory. And that's about the extent of it. I mean, maybe you get more money, but generally, you know, there's no no physical transformation that happens to you. There's, you know, the day doesn't suddenly have music playing every time you walk outside. Like uh, life is still life. It's going to be almost identical to yesterday. Maybe for a few weeks, you get more interviews and more attention. Um, Maybe that new job you're going to land is going to be really damn cool for a while. 
all that excitement goes away. And I think that's why it's so important what you said earlier, that do it for the love. You're, you're here because you just purely freaking love it. And this is where your joy comes from. And that was just the coolest part when Ken Miles won and then got cheated at, because of a technicality. He looked at Shelby and he's like, hey, you promised me the drive, not the win. And he went about his life. He was like, hey, all, it's all good. Mm-hmm. That's just, I don't know if that's how he really responded, but in my heart he did. Yeah. <laughs> because that's just the coolest thing in the world. He's like, you know what? I, I got what I was promised and everything else was up to me. You gave me a choice. I made my choice and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to live with it. Now, if he promised him to drive and didn't give him the drive, Take him to hell, man. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Give it to him. But yeah, just knowing why you're doing it and doing it for the right reasons and not expecting uh, the end goal to be your fulfillment uh, is so crucial. Yeah. Do what you love and you'll never work a day in your life. Damn right. Yeah. (laughs) Mic drop. (laughs) Anyway, yeah, that's, it's, that's wonderful. I love it. I love it. And I, I, you know, I think sometimes about, you know, if I were to get, exactly what I worked for, like what that would feel like in the moment. Mm-hmm. But you hardly ever think what you'll feel like a week later, yeah. two weeks later, a month later, a year later, right? What, what then? So just remembering that it's the journey, not the destination, you know, I, and I think that that goes for anything in life. I don't think necessarily it's, it's just your goal, your major goal. Right. But it's like, if you wake up and you're having a bad day, it's, it's just part of it, right? It's, it's, you're going to have bad days, you know, you're going to have great, great days, right? So maybe timiding the great days a little bit, but also, you know, pulling back the, the bad days, right? Like they're not so bad usually, and they're not so good. Usually it's usually like just, you know, you get wrapped up in, in, in something. So maybe, maybe just, um, being cool you know like that's that's why i like cer- certain actors like joaquin phoenix, joaquin phoenix who they don't do it for the accolades or like the the awards they do it because they just love that's just what they love doing if they happen to win fine but they don't really care yeah at this point these guys are millionaires yeah it's they not don't about have to do this yeah like you know how many movies have any of the all of these guys turned down i mean like christian bale is another great one i mean you know he's such a great actor i don't think he will ever take a role that he really doesn't believe in right Mm -hmm. maybe germany or salvation i don't know uh but you know there are movies i i think i think every actor picks some has some movie choices that they would take back but i don't think that they picked them for either money or they thought they could win an award or whatever they picked them because an actor like like christian bale picks a movie because he loves the script and he or he wants to work with this director or you know he wants to make something great yeah. he wants to you know like challenge himself and that's really the whole purpose for something like this you know you're not for movies like this that are you know hundreds of thousands of millions of dollars like make something great that's that somebody that i like me can't make yeah. I literally could not make this movie. It would be impossible for any of us out there to make this movie. You need what this you need all of this money to do this because of these cars and, <laughs> and stuff and these locations. But anyway, long story short, yeah, I, this is a, a beautiful quote that reminds 
reminds me of the same thing. So awesome. Anyway, thank you guys for joining us. We appreciate it. This has been a lot of fun. I, I yeah. really had a, a blast. And uh, as Wes said, join us next week. We'll be doing Moneyball. So make sure to watch that before uh, it drops next week. Until then, I'm Todd. I'm Wes. Go watch some movies. Thank you.